WIB Today, the weekly podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Donald Trump is over in Davos, Switzerland, attempting to change the channel at the World Economic Forum on the impeachment hearings taking place in Washington. He's been citing, trumpeting, I guess you could say, the U.S. economy's performance. And Canadians don't particularly buy into his views, though, on a range of things. He might be the most skeptically received president in recent memory with us. Let's look at this all with Mario Canseco. He's the president of Research Co. It's a public opinion research firm. He writes for us at Glacier Media twice weekly on what Canadians think. You join me now. How how do we actually feel about Donald Trump here in, in later January 2020? Well, it's been three years since we've had him at the Oval Office. Uh, when I started asking questions about Donald Trump uh, at the time when he was flirting with the idea of becoming the Republican Party's nominee uh, back in 2015, we saw a lot of Canadians who said, please, anybody but him. Uh, the level of animosity was highest here in BC, which was also quite interesting, not as high in other parts of the country. Uh, and now that we've had him for three years, with relentless media coverage, uh, when it comes to what is happening in the United States, uh, the numbers have been fairly stable. Uh, there's only 16% of uh, Canadians who believe that he has done things well, and a large majority who say that uh, he has been bad for the country. Would you characterize the, the antipathy toward him uh, um, as, as somehow being neutralized or, or desensitized by Canadians? In a, in, in a way, what was outrageous in 2015 and 16 and 17 and 18 and 19 even, in 2020, just, you know, it's, you know, meh, you know. I think that is part of it, especially yeah. when you ask people uh, if he has performed worse than they expected. Uh, the numbers really changed drastically from last year to this one uh, because there's a lot of people who didn't expect much of, out of what he was going to be doing, and now those numbers are a little bit different. Uh, I think part of the situation is... Uh, that this was something that very few people expected to happen. Uh, there's always been this scenario for the first couple of years, at, at least, that he was in the White House of this is the thing that is going to bring him down. This is the moment that is going to end with his mm -hmm. presidency. Um, now we have an impeachment trial uh, that is about to get going in, in the U.S. Uh, about Ukraine and not Russia, which is what most people expected maybe two, three years ago. Um, it, it, it seems fairly certain that he's going to survive this trial. Yeah. Um, what that leaves us with another 10 months of relentless media coverage of uh, whether he can hold on to the White House or not. Again, in terms of the, uh, the disbelief that Canadians had uh, upon his election um, and, and the view that there would be sure as anything, any week now, there was something that was going to clobber him. Um, what does it say about his resiliency that, uh, that makes him almost... Um, well, almost impervious to being shunted aside as a, as a leader. This would have fallen almost any number of people in the last three years. Well, I think it's a combination of factors. Uh, the main one is uh, the fact that the base is solidly behind him. I think there's definitely a situation here where there are states that are not going to be in play, that are going to go Republican again. Uh, he's got a lot of support in the South, in the Midwest, in some places. Um, I think the main difficulty is going to be trying to hold on to the states that they didn't expect to win, uh, states like Michigan, maybe, or Wisconsin, uh, to a lesser extent, Pennsylvania. Um, he needs those three. He needs to win everything that he won the last time if he wants to uh, remain at the White House. Uh, but I think part of the situation when it comes to his own behavior is he knows that there's about 37, 40 percent 
50% of Americans who will be there regardless of what he does. You know, we all thought he was joking when he said that he could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot a person and nothing <laughs> would happen. It seems like it was a, quite, a, quite an interesting premonition at the time um, because there's many things that have been happening over the past few months and it hasn't really dented that level of support. He's not going to sink to the levels that we saw Richard Nixon, for instance. You know, he's not going to go down to only one out of five Americans saying that he's a good president. It was fair to say that uh, in the ascension of Barack Obama that Canadians saw in him some kind of sign of hope. Um, in the same way, probably Bill Clinton was the same way. Um, Donald Trump didn't really rise with that same sense of hope. There might have been some uh, some Canadians who felt left out, who thought that maybe he, he did offer that and all this. So now here we are uh, on the cusp. Um, are there, first of all, do, do those Canadians that had a support for Donald Trump in the first instance still see him in this same positive way? And then I want to ask you to follow up on that. There is a group that is definitely more likely to be supportive. Uh, if you live in Alberta, if you voted for the Conservative Party in the last federal election, you're more likely to say that he's done things well, that he has accomplished much since, since he became president. It, it's the economy, right? I mean, it's the economy. No, no, nobody's really crediting him with yes. America's place in the world or its sense of equality or its treatment of immigrants or like none of that stuff is getting it's not that at all i think part of the situation is uh, areas that have been struggling because of unemployment such as alberta look at the situation in the states look at the low unemployment rate and go well maybe he's doing something right you know there might be certain issues that we don't uh, necessarily uh, are, are happy with um, but it's working and it tends to be that way if you look back at the way canadians felt about george w bush for instance if you were a federal conservative and lived in Alberta, you were more likely to be happy with him. Uh, when we had a separate uh, situation later with Barack Obama, uh, if you were a federal conservative or if you lived in Alberta, you were more likely to have negative views. So it, there is this symbiotic relationship if you like Republican politicians in the States and you're a federal conservative in Canada. Did his rise make it possible for Doug Ford and Jason Kenney? I think there's no question. Uh, definitely. I think it definitely helped to establish that idea of a very wide-ranging populism that is coming from the right. You know, we were used to that coming from the left, especially with the with a few elections in Latin America, uh, where we mm -hmm. had that type of leftist populism. And to a certain extent, that is, that is what we have in Mexico right now. Um, but I think part of it was, you know, I'm, I am just like you. And, and you, know, you saw Jason Kenney riding in a blue truck, uh, which would have been unheard of and unthinkable 15 years ago. But that is what you need to do in order to win elections now. Uh, now, uh, given that Canadians were placing some stock in Barack Obama, maybe Bill Clinton, as we say, do Canadians see any of the Democrat contenders as having that kind of, um, well, inspiration? I don't think so. Uh, you know, part of the situation that I have when I ask Canadians about this is they have no idea who these people are. Uh, which is understandable. I mean, the first time I asked about Barack Obama, we had only a few people in Montreal who had heard about him, who had <laughs> seen him speak, who remembered the Democratic Convention when he spoke, and that was it. So ultimately, I think the moment to build uh, the whole candidacy starts in Iowa, of course. And if we get down to March or April, we might start to see a lot of Canadians looking into Democratic candidates and saying, yes, this is the person I want. But at least three of these candidates are 
pretty well known. To, we ought to be pretty well known. To, I mean, Joe Biden ought to be extremely well known. I would think Bernie Sanders would be extremely well known. And I think Elizabeth Warren, on the basis of her profile in the last half decade or so, would be very well known. It's an and, interesting and yet, one. And yet Canadians are not kind of pinning any particular hope or interest in them. No. And uh, you have about 30, 35% who say, I don't know who this person is. Uh, those who voted for the federal conservatives don't like any of them, particularly Bernie Sanders, <laughs> yeah. which is understandable. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, once it becomes a question of one versus the other, I think that is where we're going to see some of those numbers. Barack Obama's numbers were inferior to what Hillary Clinton was getting during the early stages of the 2008 uh, campaign. So, Something might happen in the next three or four months, uh, depending on who the actual nominee will be, uh, and that might be different. But, you know, there's also a little bit of a danger there in just liking somebody because he's not Donald Trump. Yeah. Mind you, we have elected people at times on a any, anyone, <laughs> anyone but that person basis. Yes. Uh, our own prime minister has had, I, I think, one of the more uh, curious relationships with Donald Trump in his term in office. Uh, where where do Canadians come down on how well Justin Trudeau is, has managed the file? Well, I think there's a level of support and respect to the way that uh, Justin Trudeau has handled American affairs uh, that we didn't see before. I, I don't think we had a situation, especially somebody who was dealing with a president who was such a wrecking ball. Uh, and there's a lot of respect from Canadians, even those who voted for the Conservatives. To me, that's the key to the exercise. You know, if you're a liberal voter, you obviously are going to say that you're happy with what uh, Justin Trudeau has been doing. But we see some federal Conservatives and federal NDP voters who say on this particular file, I think he's done a good job and things could be a lot worse with somebody. Well, else I was going to say, is that a Canadian thing of saying it could have been a lot worse? Well, and I think so, because, you know, looking back at the, some of the surveys that we conducted before the last federal election, uh, um, when we asked Canadians who they wanted handling this relationship, uh, they chose Justin Trudeau over Andrew Scheer by a two-to-one margin. Even federal conservatives were saying, yeah, I like Scheer, I'm going to vote conservative, but on this particular file, I have a lot of respect for what Justin Trudeau has done. Um, can you explain the secret sauce in there? <laughs> I, 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 I have to say, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can understand it. Well, it, it's a little bit of a change. I think part of the situation is that you want to have those contrasts, and the contrasts are there, and they've always been, and especially because we've had a situation where the president of the United States tend to be from the opposite party that is governing Canada. You know, we had this Gretchen mm -hmm. and, and uh, George W. Bush uh, scenario, for instance. They didn't get along very well. We had Obama and Harper. Now we have Trudeau and Trump. So it's that type of situation that makes Canadians be more supportive. You know, Let's find a way to rally around the guy who has to deal with Donald Trump, who we didn't even imagine was going to be in that office just a few years ago. So when uh, prospective conservatives begin vying in the next uh, week or two or three for their own <laughs> leadership, uh, handling Donald Trump is not necessarily any kind of an asset for them to tout, right? No. And, you know, we could go back to uh, the latter stages of the Christy Clark government here. You know, the first time that she st stood up and talked about why she wanted to form the government, she started to cite Donald Trump. Donald Trump is coming. This is going to be dangerous. You need somebody who can deal with Donald Trump. Uh, Madam, you're not the prime minister. <laughs> you're yeah. the premier of one province. And it didn't work very well. It wasn't something that was going to scare people. So I don't think anything else is going to have that effect.
The uh, the, the kind of meta numbers on uh, the U.S. economy um, have stayed quite strong during the Trump administration. Uh, there is, of course, though, lots of underlying issues that uh, that have neither been resolved nor uh, nor have a prospect of being resolved, and all of that. Donald Trump clearly tapped into some of that um, economic exclusion uh, as, as as you know a big part of his meal uh, in getting elected. What what does he have in the way of an offering now? Because it, you know, I I don't think big coal is back at it. No, um, you know, it, like there were some of the things that you know the Rust Belt still the Rust Belt. Uh, does he have anything up his sleeve? Do you think that he can he can use in order to sway those very people? upon whom he depended in 2016? Well, I think the one area that they're going to try to hammer really hard is uh, incumbency. You know, things are good because I'm here. If you let somebody else run the show, regardless of who it is, if it's Bernie Sanders, there'll be a lot of discussion about socialism. If it's Joe Biden, they'll say he didn't do anything and didn't get anything done when he was the, the uh, VP. Um, I think that's going to be the play. Uh, you know, things are getting better. Give us four more years. Uh, that's the way campaigns are usually won in the United States. And it could be very similar to what happened with George W. Bush back in 2004. Uh, the Democrats came out swinging. You know, he's not ready for this. He shouldn't be president. He's ignorant. He doesn't know how to handle foreign affairs. And they end up with the same 48% of people who were with them before the actual convention began. So there's a danger for the Democrats here in hammering the idea that people don't like Donald Trump. If you don't like Donald Trump, you're already in that column. You need to convince people who voted for Donald Trump that things could be better. Uh but on, in your reading of American public opinion, is it uh, the path of the Democrats to uh, to try to um, uh, suggest more radical change? Or is it, let's just get ourselves with our feet planted back on the ground here for a few years? Well, I think that's one of the reasons for Joe Biden to remain as the front runner, if you will. You know, we go back to elections uh, where Rudy Giuliani was the front runner, or Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton was the front runner, and then everything shifts. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are looking at this more as a contest of electability. Uh, you may really like some of the ideas that Bernie Sanders has been talking about, especially if you're a young voter who has a lot of debt from school, uh, but it might not be enough to get a lot of people to switch sides. You know, this is going to get you the Hillary Clinton voters. Uh, you need people who voted for Trump to look at the Democratic nominee and say, this is what we need to do. If you do it with something that is considered very radical by most Americans, it's going to be very difficult to shift those numbers. Uh, I think we probably talked about six or seven times in 2019 about the economic headwinds. And my goodness, you know, we're going to have a recession most likely. And, (laughs) you know, and the times are going to be tough and everybody needs to batten down the hatches and governments are going to have to spend money. And we don't have that dialogue going right now. Um, does America essentially dodge that, uh, and and in so doing, does Donald Trump completely dodge uh, what would have been probably the you know the I know we've said this earlier the one thing that might have taken him down, which was yeah. which was a kind of an economic convulsion. You know? Well, there's still time. I think part of the situation here is to look into how things develop during the summer, look at the way things are going in September and October. That's the moment when most Americans pay attention to what is going on. If you have a drop in the uh, unemployment levels, you know people will be happier. Maybe they'll say that they'll stick with the horse that they know. 
but it's ultimately about gathering that attention from the voters. Uh, impeachment isn't going to help because it, it all seems certain that in a week or two from now, nobody's going to talk about this again. So it's no longer a question about Donald Trump's morals and the way he handled his office. It has to be about the electability of the Democrats. And it's going to be very difficult to say things are terrible when you have the lowest unemployment rate in five decades. Is, it, uh, is there anything either... Uh, um evidence-based or even intuitive that you can infer here about what Canadians think about this impeachment process. That is, um, they wanted it in a certain way, but they also realize it may help Donald Trump. There's a lot of confusion out there. I think part of it has to do with the fact that impeachment happens in the House, but the trial happens in the Senate. And there was an expectation for many Canadians uh, going through social media, even commentary on the radio uh, shows that I've been on, uh, where they go, yeah, it's done. It's done. He'll be out of office in a couple of days. So it doesn't happen that quickly. And it also uh, serves as a very interesting notice about the way in which the American uh, electoral system works. You know, this isn't going to be that simple. You know, there might be a situation there uh, where if, for the sake of argument, some Republican senators decide to vote in favor of impeaching Trump, that could be detrimental for, to their causes. Uh, because, you know, one thing that has to be said is that he's effectively cornered all of the Republican Party. It's now the Trump Party, uh, whether people like it or not. Uh, but there's definitely confusion when it comes to the way Canadians look at this, which is quite ironic because it's, it's the this is the third impeachment that we've had with television. Uh, we had the Nixon trial, which they didn't actually get there because no. he decided to step down. Uh, we had all of those discussions related to Bill Clinton in 98, uh, We should be used to how this works. I mean, there are neighbor to the South. And yet, uh, because the outcome seems foregone, um, there is not any particular drama or suspense that's going to take place here. Again, do, do voters and then those here in this country who don't want to see a second Donald Trump um, administration, uh, kind of shrug and go, you know, this is a bit of a fruitless exercise. Well, it also allows Canadians to look down on the United States, which is one of our favorite sports. Mm -hmm. You know, at least we don't have a situation where our prime minister has been uh, you know, impeached or, or however you want to call it. Uh, it. It's definitely part of the situation uh, of looking into the United States as a place that isn't actually functioning very well. Uh, we are used to having those conversations without American friends. They usually revolve around healthcare, uh, but this time around they revolve about, around ethics in politics. Uh, of course, we did get a little bit of a taste when those pictures of Justin Trudeau made well, their way to say, Time magazine, so his, it goes his, both ways. His impeachment hearing was, was the election <laughs> campaign. Yes, right? Right? And, and Canadians pretty resoundingly uh, uh, permitted him to stay on. Uh, again, um, in, in you know, closing in all of this around, um, around Trump, um, if he's reelected, uh, what, what do Canadians then, do you think, begin to uh, shape in the way of their opinion, not, not only about... Um, you know, about the Trump administration, but about their precepts about how Americans think about their politics, you know, because I think, I, you know, I'll go extensively on this one. I think in 2016, people were a little stunned by it. Um, they didn't think it was going to last. They thought it would be a, you know, one-term presidency that, of course, it would dissolve. But if it's a two-term presidency, does that, cause Canadians to rethink a little bit about their 
their attitudes about America, their understanding of America? Does it, does it make them want to know more about America? What, what does it do? I think we, we would go through a process similar to the one we had back in 2004, where we had a lot of Americans who were dismayed at the fact that George W. Bush got reelected. We had a lot of Google searches about immigration. We had a lot of people who were saying, well, maybe this isn't the type of America where we want to live. And it actually led a lot of Canadians to wonder what was going to happen afterwards. You know, do we really want uh, a gazillion Americans moving in here because they're upset with the way uh, the election went? Um, I think ultimately what we need to do more than anything is to to look beyond the easy things uh, that we get from uh, looking at the U.S. political system. Uh, you know, it's it's fairly simple to do a two-minute story on what impeachment means, but there's still a lot, a lot of residents who don't understand what it's all about. Uh, we've had live coverage of the um, Supreme Court nominations in the United States. That was the top story for all three national newscasts that week. Mm -hmm. And very few people understood what it meant or or, or how it is handled. So what I would love, uh, regardless of whether Donald Trump wins or not, uh, would be a little more context and a little more nuance when it comes to the way we look at the United States. It can't just be two minutes and expect Canadians to figure out for themselves uh, how this applies to them or not when it comes to their own politics. I don't know how you feel we're set up in Canada, but it doesn't appear that Americans are set up to have any kind of discourse uh, with such polarity in their media. No, and I don't think they'll have it. You know, we, uh, we had to endure not one, but two separate news networks running with headlines that said President Justin Trudeau. I mean, I think that tells us all we need to know about the <laughs> amount of attention that the American media pays to Canada. Yeah, exactly. Mario, it's always good to talk to you, and uh, thanks a lot for coming in today. My pleasure. Thanks. Mario Canseco is president of Research Co. It's a public opinion research firm. You've been listening to BIB today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.